This is New Classical Tracks from American Public Media. And if you're enjoying this podcast, the best thing that you can do for this show is to tell somebody else about it. Help spread the word and take a moment to rate and review us on your podcasting app. This week, it's the Nights Before Christmas. The Nights is an orchestral collective founded by Eric and Colin Jacobson. I talked with Eric recently and also violinist Christina Corton. She's also a singer, a songwriter, a producer, and an engineer. And they had so much fun putting this recording together last June. What's it like to make a Christmas recording in the summertime? Well, it's actually pretty common, but they found ways to set the mood and create what Eric refers to as the perfect pastry. It's something that's meant to make you happy and also just uh, brings back so many wonderful memories, right? The moment you bite into that delectable dessert, it just makes you feel really good. And that's what this recording is all about. The Nights Before Christmas on New Classical Tracks from American Public Media. I'm Julia Macher. I thought I would start off by just asking each of you, how are you? And also tell me where you are. Um, I'm good. I'm, I, full disclosure, I had my booster shot yesterday, so I'm a little uh, feeling <laughs> a little swollen or something. Um, but I'm good. I'm good. I'm in Brooklyn, New York. I've lived here for probably about 10 years, but in New York area for 20. So, Yeah. How about you, Eric? Where are you? Because I know you were working in Florida, so I was just curious where you actually, what you, where you call home. I am currently in Florida. Yeah, just had a week of concerts and um, very, very happy to be able to keep doing things right now. And so happy to talk about this album, which is just one of those things that we've been talking about, at times joking about, at times like uh, pining for for years and now it's here and just, you know, very, feel very lucky. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. So we're talking about the nights before Christmas. And Eric, you and your brother Colin are the artistic directors for the nights. And you call this an orchestral collective, which you started, I believe, back in your Juilliard days. How has this collective changed or transformed since it started? Oh, it's a big question. I think, you know, as we grow, as as all of us have grown in the last 20 years, I think it has really changed in various forms. And um, maybe one particular branch of how things have changed is really about leadership in different stems of how this whole thing comes together. I think the ability for people to take the lead on projects and see something through from top to bottom is, is a really special thing. And I think that could not happen without the trust of years together of making music together and taking risks together, being vulnerable together. And I think in some ways this album is really a culmination of that, knowing that our incredible uh, Christina Corton, violinist, singer, songwriter, producer, uh, engineer, all the things that really go into uh, being a, 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 an incredible rounded artist in so many ways, said, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to make this holiday album. And it was just like a, yep, we're going to. And then this thing happened uh, with so much energy, so much thought and so much process to make something that 
really is is supposed to bring joy to people's lives. And how awesome is that to get to do something that, you know, brings people together both in the recording studio, the musicians creating the piece, the artists that come together to to write the music that we play, and then of course to share with everyone. So I think uh, maybe that's one of the outgrowths of what's happened in the last 20 years. And of course, uh, Christina taking the lead and 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 making this album is, is just so special. Christina, you are the champion for this new holiday recording. Why was this project so important to you? It's just something I've always really wanted to do really badly whenever since I've, I've just always been really interested in, in holiday records. I love Christmas records. I love listening to that music. I'm always trying to find new Christmas records that I don't know. It's not even that I like love the holidays. I just like, I, I think it's so interesting what people do with all this, all this music that's kind of, you know, been in the vernacular for so long. And um, when Eric approached me about doing it, I was a little, I was like really excited, but also a little nervous. It was like, um, you know, your your best friend giving you the keys to the Porsche or something. You're just like, uh, really? Can I, I'll do it. Are you sure? Because I'm going to do it. So it was, it was really fun. Let me just add, you did not leave the car in the garage. <laughs> I did not. You clearly took it out and took it for a very incredible (laughs) spin. And you have a number of amazing guest artists on this recording. And of these guests, I'm wondering who maybe was the biggest surprise when they said yes to working with you on this project? I think maybe maybe Anthony Roth Costanzo. Also, because I have a personal relationship with most everybody, the soloists, except for him. So I was a little unsure if he was, you know, going to want to work with me. I didn't know if he was going to be on board or how he was going to feel about that, because I know he's pretty particular about the things he takes on. So I was really chuffed when he decided that he was going to do it with us. And it's, it, I love his track. I mean, he's, I'm such a big fan of his and just being able to work with him and, you know, kind of going to the session with him. And yeah, it was great. It was really special. And the piece on which he is featured is one of the more traditional pieces on this recording, the Pia Yesu from Foray's Requiem. He is a countertenor. We should tell those who maybe don't know who Anthony Roth Costanza is. Tell me a little bit about this particular performance, was there anything unique perhaps in the arrangement or maybe in the session itself that you'd like to share? His session was the session that we recorded him singing first, which was kind of unusual for something like this. Usually the the band will record first and then the soloist gets to overdub on top of that. So in that way, it was kind of a challenge intonation-wise and just feel-wise. So it was a lot of kind of coming from it at a different angle, which was which was a challenge for me uh, to just figure out how to put all those pieces together. And also traditionally in this piece, there's an organ and an orchestra, but we had a hard time figuring out the logistics of the organ and it was becoming more trouble than it seemed to be worth at this point. So I just ended up trying to go for two different orchestral sounds. Yeah. 
Yeah, there was a freedom um, in his singing because he actually got to record it um, with with his own pianist in a way that was like, I will do every single thing artistically that I want to do in this piece. And then the challenge fell upon, you know, how to play with that, uh, meaning like the orchestra then had to listen so many times to exactly his inflections and be an organ and be a string section at the same time. That was, that was really fun. I think it came out, I think it was pretty successful after all said and done, but it was, it was a tricky, a tricky one to put together, even though it sounds, I hope sounds effortless. Christina, you arranged six of the album's 11 tracks, and that was one of them, the Pia Yezu. Also, Do You Hear What I Hear? Probably the most unique version of this carol I have ever heard. Would you talk a little bit about what inspired you to include a pipa? Well, I'm a big fan of Luman, and I, I, you know, for me, there's a lot of um, humor in music. I thought of this and I just started laughing. I just thought it was so funny. And so kind of whimsical and just, I don't know, something I would, I I was a little bit afraid that I wouldn't (laughs) be allowed to do it um, because it does sound so kind of silly um, as an idea, but I really wanted to make something serious and something cool um, with her because she's so wonderful and, I thought it would be kind of a, a fun juxtaposition of that instrument with that with that particular song. I was really surprised when she said yes. I, I wasn't sure she was going to uh, agree to it, but she did, and I'm really happy. And I that was my first idea for this record. I really had a strong feeling about it. I really wanted to do it, just to do it, because that's what we do. <laughs> I remember that conversation. I remember like we were like, Christina, let's talk. You know, okay, okay, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do the record. And Christina's like, Oh God, there's this idea with Wuman, and do you hear what I hear? And I'm like, Okay, this record is going there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's like you know, I think it's really cool. I love it. I'm really happy that we made it. You know, it's definitely very unusual. Eric, what did you think when Christina came to you with the idea to include Prince on this recording? Luckily, I think I think Christina and I have a really interesting and um, clear relationship in a lot of ways. And uh, I, I think that um, when this album was sort of born out of conversations of wanting to, to create this type of a feel, um, it was clear to me that there was no process of oh, well, maybe this, maybe that's not... I actually really feel like beauty of camaraderie and, you know, calling the orchestra a collective, it does not mean that uh, everything is a compromise. Actually, compromise doesn't necessarily lead to the strongest outcome. Um, You know, following a vision 
following someone's thought process of, hey, this is what I believe can go in this thing. That was really was what this was. So the idea, first of all, I mean, <laughs> I love print so much, but um, following this idea, it was that this was going to be a very, very um, strong album and one that wasn't, hey, everyone throw in their favorite tune name and then we'll just choose whatever gets uh, written the most. Um, just like any type of programming, that doesn't necessarily end with the most ideal and most powerful outcome. It comes with beautiful music, just like, you know, if you if you program orchestral music by committee, you end up with Beethoven and Tchaikovsky, because everyone loves that. And they also love other things, but it's not necessarily the strongest opinion. So from from my takeaway, when I when I look at this album and see everything on this, this is just so strong. And uh, an opinion and a voice and a color and all the things. And though, you know, everything is so different, that kind of in some ways brings it all together. So every idea that came, and I can't remember all the conversations, but like all the, all the thoughts and updates and, hey, we're going to do, I mean, it's just exciting. And I, I, and I, I feel very strongly that uh, getting to see people do their thing in whatever that means in their fullest is is absolutely the most exciting, beautiful thing. And don't you think when it comes to a holiday recording, we can get away with a little bit more, like people are open to hearing this mix and matching and it doesn't all have to fall into a specific line, if you will. Is that the experience you had, Christina? Yes, I really, you know, even when you look up like Elvis Christmas or whatever, there's a, there's a commercial sheen to it, which is always, for me, always a little bit of a disappointment. Um, I, I'm always wanting to hear some something different, something new, not just like a very polished version of Oh Holy Night or whatever, which is great. But also, I don't know, there's so many, there's so many choices. There's so many different ways that you can do something and there's so many options. There's so many wonderful musicians that, that have so many great ideas. Um, so I really kind of wanted to try and push the envelope in terms of like, what what can I actually get away with on this record? Um, and I just, I really did go for it. I did. I went for it. <laughs> I, I would say you did. Absolutely. Yeah. And it flows beautifully. Oh, good. You invited Crystal Warren to sing the Prince song, Another Lonely Christmas. And she's actually been compared to Nina Simone. How did you find her? Tell us a little bit about her and what you'd like us to know about her. Yeah, Crystal is amazing talent. She's a wonderful musician um, and singer, but all around musician. She plays a lot of different instruments. And I've just known her. I've known her for a long time just through singing. And I've always been a big fan of hers. And I've just followed her for a long time. And I've, you know, I've never worked with her before. And it's something I've always really wanted to do. Um, like, truly, she is one of my favorites. So I had this opportunity to, you know, kind of carte blanche with this Christmas record. I wanted to see who I could get, see if she... And the cool thing about, I mean, the silver lining of COVID was that we didn't have to do just New York City people we could we could think really big and she lives in France um, so I was hoping that we would be able to get her involved somehow um, and since we didn't have to do it regionally or whatever it just ended up working out but yeah she's just a really strong artist and somebody I really I really admire she's wonderful and I think she just crushed 
that song. Last night I spent another lonely Christmas Darling You should have been there The arrangement is very polar opposite of Prince's recording. I, I, I think it was a challenge for her um, and she just you know, absolutely rose to the occasion. She's fantastic. Remember that night we swam naked in your father's pool? Boy, it was upset that night. Boy, was that ever cool? It makes me think that um, maybe one of the advantages or the silver lining of COVID is it. I'm noticing with artists in particular that you all have been really creative and how you've been putting your music together. Like you just said, we weren't forced to stay in these parameters and you were allowed to think beyond that. I mean, do you think that's true, that that's been in part due to the pandemic and what we've been facing? A- absolutely. I think a lot of people have gotten their engineering chops together. They've gotten their, they've bought their, all the good singers. They were like, okay, I'm finally going to buy that nice microphone I've been wanting for seven years um, and going to get Pro Tools. I'm going to figure this out. And like, it's been great. I mean, we've been able to really take advantage of that with this record. Like, Gabby lives in L.A., Wuman lives in San Diego, Crystal's in France. The I'm With Her girls are all over the country. So, you know, it's like I didn't have to think about, okay, who's in a 45-mile radius of New York, um, which would also have been, also would have been fine. But, like, really I got to ask the people that I really wanted to ask, which was really I think really cool for me personally. Let's talk about Little Drummer Boy, which does feature the folk trio, I'm With Her. And one of the reasons I'm I'm gonna put Eric on the spot here a little bit, because I know this recording is about family and friends, and this kind of really perhaps brought it home for you as you do have a close relationship with one of the members of this trio. Is that right? (laughs) I believe I'm married to one of them. Uh, (laughs) uh, I'm not sure if I'm married to I'm or with or her, but yes, um, uh, Aoife O'Donovan, who actually has a relationship with Christina that predates mine, uh, I introduced you to. You you did. You scared. You, you warned me about her too, and I did. See what happens. I think I warned <laughs> her about you. Yes, I know. <laughs> and actually, it was very important because you know you have to dip your toe in, and uh, you know, so to speak. And and uh, I feel like um, Ifa Ifa like Christina is. Um, one of my, I'd say one of my greatest influences uh, and uh, um, two people that I I trust so greatly. I don't think Christina and Aoife really make mistakes uh, when they do anything. <laughs> um, sometimes they, you know, they, they always want, the, the, the great thing is they both, um, they both have been in, in 20 years that I've known uh, Christina and the 10 years that I've known Aoife, they, uh, they just become more themselves and... Uh, uh, I, I mean, I could, I could get actually emotional talking about this, uh, but uh, being inspired by being willing to be yourself is really hard uh, in what we do. I think, um, uh, yeah, we're just constantly challenged with like figuring out what really means importance to to our lives, family, and music, and uh, all the things that go into that, and. Uh, 
Aoife and I don't perform all that much together publicly. Uh, we, we, the most often thing we do together is like fundraisers of organizations that we both work with or for or play at, you know, during the season. And um, I, I had nothing to do with uh, deciding that they were going to be on this uh, to some degree, but it felt so obvious in some ways that they would be part of this album. And I, I think, you know, I don't know everyone on this album clearly as well as I know my wife and Christina, but um, I, I think when I, in the next X amount of years, meet all of the people and go deep into the relationships, I have a feeling that... Uh, like a great dinner party, Christina assembled a cast of characters that you'd want to have conversations with. And I think that is one thing that ties the album together, which is deep thinkers and people who have something specific to say. I I, I remember why I wanted to do Drummer Boy with Aoife on this record was because she made Drummer Boy with our friend uh, Robin McMillan, who's a great drummer and producer, probably like 10 or 12 years ago on a I don't know if it came out on a record or it's just a demo, but I remember uh, I was at one of her shows probably 10 or 12 years ago and saw her do Drummer Boy, and I really loved it. Um, and so I remember, that's why, that's why I wanted her to do it. And I, I remember she sent, I was like, do you still have that demo of Drummer Boy? Will you send it to me? So she sent it over and, and I was like, well, yeah, like, let's do it. How do you want to do it? And she was like, let's do it with I'm With Her. And I was like, okay, great, let's do it. So it's not going to be anything like this demo, but we're, <laughs> we're going to do it. So that's kind of why we why I wanted to do it with her, because it was just, I just really liked her version of it a lot. I'm With Her features Eva O'Donovan, also Sarah Watkins and Sarah Jaros. And their harmonies, of course, are really what make them so phenomenal. Talk a little bit about the arrangement you created for them, Christina. It was challenging in that there was one uh, member of that band who will remain nameless, who was pretty dead set on not singing Barumpa Pum Pum. Like she was okay with the with the song, but she just really was opposed to that part of it, which to me was kind of um, funny. But I, I asked myself if I was going to let that get in the way of me wanting to do this or not. And I said, no, let's, let's, I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna figure this out and just give it to someone else to play or to sing even. So, and, and in the end, there's no Pahrumpa Pum Pums in this version of Drummer Boy. But I wanted it to kind of, I guess I took it from, you know, Ravel's Bolero and wanted it to kind of just get bigger and pulse more and just kind of grow with the time. I, I really do think. This one is great, and they, they sing so well on it, and it was just really fun to get to work with them on this track. Oh Holy Night by Adolphe Adam features music from a French composer, and here it is sung by a Guatemalan singer-songwriter. Tell me what inspired you to create that juxtaposition. Santa la noche, hermosas las estrellas, la noche cuando nació el Señor. 
Gabby Moreno is a really wonderful musician, uh, person, friend. And I, I knew for sure I wanted to include her somehow on this record. I wasn't sure what song even. Um, and I know that she has another version of this song because she's made so many records and is just such a pro. So I, 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 th- I was pretty sure I wanted her to sing something in Spanish just to, I don't know, keep it more her, her thing, so. I'm really happy with how that one turned out. It's very special, very sweet, and um, she just she just kills me every time. She's wonderful. I mean, one of the things, obviously, that first jumps out about this recording is how culturally diverse it is. And you, it seems like you went to... It seems like it all happened very organically for you because of all the people you know, Christina. But was it intentional? Um, I think I, I I was very, like, sure I wanted to have at least one Jewish song. Like, I wanted to have stuff not just in English. Like, I, I yeah, I wanted to do different stuff, but... At the same time, it wasn't hard for me to come up with that. There's so many people and so many people I've met over the years that just have so many different skills and, you know, come from so many different cultures. It was it was pretty effortless to, you know, think, at least dream up what I would uh, want to do. So, yeah, I think so. Yes, yes and no. We I think the Knights as a whole once wanted to do something that was a little um, bigger and thinking larger than just you know, the tri-state area. (laughs) Christina, you are the vocalist on the Coventry Carol, the old English carol. Is this a personal favorite of yours, this song? Um, not really. I wanted to do a duet with um, my friend Alex Sopp, who is the flute player in the Nikes. Somebody that I've been very close with um, since we were in college together, um, so a long time ago. And Alex also sings, and I just wanted to showcase her talents somehow on this record, so I thought it would be nice. I'm not sure she wanted to do a solo of her own, so I think us doing a duet was like a good compromise for her, and wanted to just have something special with her because she's just such a dear friend and I think so highly of her as a musician and as a person and yeah, so that that's a that's a bit of a darker song. going for kind of a Baroque-esque Annie Lennox rip-off kind of thing. <laughs> I think I think it came out really well. Just, 
All right, we're going to get you in on this, Eric. The Knights hornist Michael P. Atkinson also arranged a couple of the tracks on this album, including the opening piece, In the Bleak Midwinter. Can you talk a little bit about that arrangement and also maybe why that piece is opening this recording? Mike has such an interesting way of looking at the orchestra. You know, the palette is uh, is endless, like the colors are so specific. I, I, you know, maybe uh, I'm not sure how that specific song came came into his hands, but anytime Mike sets his uh, goals on something, it, it it has a very specific sound and sound world. And I wonder, and I, that's a question for Christina, did we know that that track was going to be number, was going to be the first track until, you know, having everything out there? Or did it just kind of present itself after, you know, recording it and hearing it that that had to be there? I think I, think I wanted to start the record with something that was just the Knights, personally. And I, I was in charge of the order, and I thought... It is, you know, maybe a slightly darker Christmas song, but there's a lot of optimism in there too. So I I wanted to start with The Nights and um, we only had a couple songs to choose from. So I felt like that was just the most appropriate. Eric, your brother Colin orchestrated the ancient Hanukkah chant. Um, why was it important to include this piece? And I know, Christina, you kind of touched on that, but this is the piece you chose out of the Hanukkah options. <laughs> the piece is called Haneros Haluli. I think with Colin, as Eric did with me, I just asked him, I was like, hey, what do you want? I really want you to do something for this record. I would love for you to be a soloist and I would love for you to arrange something because his arrangements and his writing is so great that I I kind of left it up to him to pick something. And he came across it, I think, just in a deep YouTube dive. Yeah, so I think it just was very close to him and something that he felt like he could take to a, a different level with the orchestration and the playing is so great and just the way he used the orchestra was really, really brilliant. I mean, he could really do anything, and it would be just fine with me. <laughs> he he does have uh, such a unique sound. It really is one of those things when, I mean, he's my brother, and I play his music so much, so maybe I'm coming out of a very specific place, but anything of his has a stamp. It almost, it's like the thread of continuity through his music is, is very specific. And I think he would feel that it would be right to say that some of his biggest influence compositionally and soulfully are both the music of Kehan Kalhor, the great Iranian Kemanche player. And Osvaldo Goliath, 
um, the Argentinian Jewish composer who's a dear friend, someone who's, whose music we've premiered and recorded and uh, shared dinners together, and his spirit is so vital. And I remember the first time hearing this arrangement, thinking that he was really finding an inner thing. Colin and I, we were not raised with specific religion, but I think with having two daughters, you know, his daughter is six, mine is four, and just thinking about what it means to come together with a group of people, whether it's family or um, a group of humans, and, and what that is, you know, Hanukkah, though not necessarily the most meaningful holiday for all Jewish people in, in, in a year of holidays, is something that Colin and I um, are drawn to because it was a time that we would celebrate being together with family, uh, even though we would always go and get a Christmas tree. And the story is that uh, we would go and um, at the Christmas tree farm, I would always want the absolute tallest tree, like more or less, well, it's an inch taller, that one's better, of course. And my brother would always want the Christmas tree with character. And, you know, 30, 40 years later, he has character and I'm the tall one. <laughs> so we, were, we were Christmas trees meant to be. But I think actually that arrangement is, gosh, it's so soulful. And obviously it's a beautiful song in itself. There's something very like call and response to that track that is uh, very emotional. Once again, as Christina did, uh, it, it really sets a different tone for the rest of the album in some ways. Like if you listen to it uh, on a through line, it's, it's, a, it's a real change and, and turning point. The recording closes out with a glow of nostalgia. Christmas time is here by Vince Guaraldi. Christina, you're the vocalist on this final number, and I'm wondering why you decided that this was the right way to close out this recording. I mean, this song is such a classic, and uh, I love this song so much, and I've sang it several different times in several different ways. And um, I wanted to include Dave Nelson, who's the Knight's trombone player, to do some sort of something artistic on this record, whether it's just being a soloist or a arranger. So he arranged this piece for me and um, was something that he could kind of sink his teeth into. And um, I really love the, the way that he did it. He used some synths. There's some fire noise going on through the background, which at first I was a little nervous about. I think he put a lot of himself into this arrangement and I was just really happy to kind of trade fours with the trombone. Um, it was really, it was really fun. Christmas time is here Happiness and cheer fun for And I just, I don't know, I think it's just a nice way to end it too is a little bit just like closer and if you make it that far you're gonna, you're gonna <laughs> You're going to hear it, and if not, it's okay. 
When did you record this? Did you do it in the middle of summer, like all these Christmas recordings are usually made? We did. We did it in the middle of summer, and it was actually really... I, I will say that one thing, another nice thing about this is that I had a lot of time to really think about it and think about how it was going to... I'll think about the arrangements and how it was all going to go down. And to, to do it not during the holiday craziness made it so much more enjoyable. I didn't actually think I was going to enjoy it as much as I did. Like, it was so calm and just very, you know, no family stress, no travel, you know, nothing like that. No cooking or whatever. It was just, we were just there in June, I think, doing it. Um, in New York, we recorded it at the Domena Center and had a very quick turnaround to get the mixing and mastering done um, to have it out by uh, the fall. So it was kind of a very different summer for me. I had I, I just had never done that before, and it was really cool. I would totally do it again. How did you get in the spirit of the season in June? I had a lot of big plans for this, this session. I brought a Christmas tree in the session. I brought lights. I brought decorations. I ordered, like, uh, snowflake face masks and stuff for us to be wearing. Um, that, was, that part was really important to me. I did want to make it feel holiday even though it was like I'm walking around New York City in June with a Christmas tree in my hand. I am a big believer in in that kind of stuff. So I was it was pretty funny. It was pretty fun. People were I think were pretty pretty stoked. It was a very special project in terms of the being together when we were all there uh, in the room. It was not the first but one of the first times that we were all in a room together. Um, and I, I feel like there was it was it was a very hopeful time, uh, as I think we all want the holiday spirit to be a hopeful one. Obviously, you know um, it, it's very it's a very deep time and lots of layers to peel away for a lot of families and so on. But I think June um, making a holiday album was was really fun in terms of getting us back into the spirit of we get we're playing music together in a room and how joyful it is to do this. And really for the for the the sheer point is really to make an album that people are gonna be happy listening to. And that's that's uh that's so so nice. It's I could only imagine, you know, um how hard it is to be a pastry chef and yet at the same time knowing that every time you spend the the, the moment building this little genius of a bar that's three bites of someone's life, but Boy, does it make someone happy. And it makes someone's really happy. And I, this album took as much time uh, as, you know, building that perfect uh, dessert, that perfect pastry, uh, and um, over the course of years. And yet at the same time, it's, you know, it's meant to make people happy and be that taste that you love so much. Christina Corton and Eric Jacobson talking about the new recording, The Nights Before Christmas. Let me tell you about another podcast you might want to consider, The Piano Puzzler. Every week, host Fred Child invites composer Bruce Adolph into the studio to play one of his brilliant musical mind games. Bruce takes a familiar tune and disguises it in the style of a classical composer, and then a contestant calls in to try to solve the riddle. It's a lot of fun. And if you're up for the challenge, subscribe to The Piano Puzzler wherever you get your podcasts. 
This podcast is New Classical Tracks from American Public Media, with thanks to our producer, Valerie Kaler. I'm Julia Macher. Oh, that we could always see such spirit through the world.